Thank you for tuning in to She Abides Podcast. I'm Denise, your host. In today's episode, I introduce you to Stephanie Ray. Stephanie is near and dear to my heart for many reasons, but one is how she has poured into my life since coming into it. She has coached and mentored me professionally, personally, and emotionally, and I am so very grateful that the Lord has allowed this divine connection to occur. I am truly better for it. Take a listen as she shares how her unwavering faith in the Lord helped her get through the pain of losing her parents and how she has learned to surrender so that she can have the peace the Lord intends for all of us to have. Blessings upon blessings. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to She Abides podcast. Today's guest is Stephanie Ray. Stephanie is on a mission to help more people to serve more people. Stephanie's aim and passion as founder and CEO of Accountability Evangelists is to help accountable people achieve their most ambitious goals so that they can happily live a life of fulfillment and make a tremendous positive impact on the lives of the people they choose to serve. Prior to becoming a full-time entrepreneur, Stephanie held key leadership roles at Continual Care Solutions, EPI, Basham Loan, and Basham Loan. She is an active church and community volunteer and a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Denise. And that is like a true statement. I have seen pictures. Well, your whole family is, right? So you're talking about the Bills? Yes. Yeah. So, well, I married a Steelers fan. And then my sister married a Steelers fan, so we're not sure about our judgment, but oh. <laughs> the, the, the children are all Bills fans. Yeah, so in the sisters, so it's a lot of fun every week, even when they don't play well. Yes, yes. So I am so, so excited to have you on this podcast. You are one of my favorite people on this earth, and I just am just so grateful that we've been able to connect the way we have. Um, For those of you that don't know, Stephanie was my boss at two of those jobs that she listed. Um, But you were by far one of my favorite bosses um, because you mentored and coached me. And then when you left, um, we continued our friendship and developed, you know, a very close friendship. And Um, you've been my mentor, my friend, my sister, and I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. (laughs) As do I, as do I. So, um, I like to start off with a little warm up, little icebreaker. So tell us what is, um, you're very busy. You're a mother, a business owner, a community leader, church leader. What's some things you do to stay centered? Well, first of all, church is my happy place. So even if it's just once a week where I'm there, I always feel centered when I'm in the church building. Now, you don't have to be at church for that to happen. But for me, that's my happy place, sitting in the choir where I belong and listening to the readings, waiting for my turn, the the next part that we get to play. 
I just love it. So even if I've had a hectic week, I look forward to it. And when I'm sitting there, I feel at peace. So that is definitely one thing that I do for centering. And the other thing is I prioritize exercise, uh, maybe just slightly underneath sleep. So, <laughs> so those two things do not get sacrificed very often at all. I'm super duper disciplined about those two things. The rest of it needs a little help, but that those things, the consistency there really like, keeps me going. Yeah. So speaking of consistency, um, that's what we're going to talk about today. Your consistency in choosing your faith and to be faithful. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of the sensational stories about faith come from people who found faith later in life. And I'm always very entertained by those stories. I'm inspired by them. But that's not my story. I, I grew up, I was born into a family raised Catholic, and I internalized it from a very young age and just loved it. I loved everything about it, even with all its foibles and flaws and controversies and scandals. I've always loved the Catholic Church and have really enjoyed that being part of that from a very long, young age. And even through, you know, life happened since then. Right. And I remained very dedicated to the church. Yeah. And do you think um, that it was because of your parents' example, or was it just something that was inside of you from very early? Probably both. You know, my parents were great examples. They, they weren't uh, preachy. You know, we just, we went to church. That's what we did. Mm -hmm. Right. Every week, my father was a lector. Uh, we were altar servers. We were very involved in the church. We did lots of things, and that's just what we did. So I saw the example, specifically my father. My mother was also involved, not as much because she wasn't as healthy to do those types mm -hmm. of things. Uh, and I saw that, and I also saw the leadership there, you know, mm -hmm. being being up there and, and proclaiming the word. What a privilege that is. Yes. You know, I was too young to do that back then, uh, but I got to serve at the altar as an altar server, one of the first females. Right, so I was gonna say that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's a super big deal. I didn't realize it until probably later that it was such a big deal because now it's it's commonplace, uh, but mm -hmm. when I was younger, it wasn't. And we were at a rural parish, so the pickings were kind of slim for altar servers. So they were a little more willing to push the envelope and let the girls in sooner. And uh -huh. so, and I got to serve alongside my sister which was really special too. So it was just, it's always been a family thing that we've done. And, you know, it's always a priority for traveling is to find a church. You know, even now when I'm traveling, I, if we're going to be there on a Sunday, I make sure that's part of the itinerary. Mm -hmm. And with the Catholic church and a lot of the other denominations as well, the nice thing is you can go anywhere and find a church and still know what to do in there because right. they do the same thing everywhere. So, <laughs> yes. um, so it's just really special. So I, I think it's both, um, you know, my sisters are also very involved in church. I probably have gotten more involved, a little bit more involved than them from that internalization. Mm -hmm. I just felt very strong about my faith and very adamant about practicing it. Um, so give me an example of how early on you knew this was for you. This was your thing. Yeah, so I... You know, my memory is so is so shady, honestly. <laughs> I think I crammed too many things in my brain and I forget half of it. But I do remember a story I've shared with you before about when I was younger. I want to say 
probably around 10, maybe 12 at the at the oldest. And there was this huge snowstorm and we weren't going to go to church. Or at least that's what my parents said. And I was like, uh, I don't think so. We go to <laughs> church. Like, that's just what we do. So I got my snowsuit on. I was bundled up head to toe. And my my father is like getting a little impatient with me because he keeps saying, you know, we're, we're not. No, we can't go. And I was like, fine, you don't have to go. I'm going. And I get my hand on that door handle, ready to walk out in the snowstorm. It's about a two mile walk, by the way. And he's like, Steph, there is no church today. Like it's been canceled. The snow is that bad. The priest isn't coming. There's no church. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) So I finally like took my stuff off. And, but I was so like, it didn't matter to me at that point. So when you transcend the example, right, it was like, even my family was like, look, we are, we go every Sunday, but we're not going this Sunday. I was right. like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something special. I, you know, we have um, young kids at our church and I was speaking to one of the mothers of this young boy and um, she visits other churches and he, he said to her, no, I want to go to my amen right? Like he considers Mm. his church his amen. And I think that when you're so young and you have that connection, it is so awesome and amazing. You know, for me, I had that, but I didn't have the consistency. So I always knew that there was a relationship to be had with God um, because it was just in me, just, you know, my mom was Catholic, my dad was Baptist, but they weren't practicing either. Right. So we went, we were those people. They're going to kill me. We were those people who went to church on the holidays, you know, Easter, we got our Easter dresses and we went to, you know, mass or because we weren't living in Germany at the time. So we would go to mass and, um, and that, you know, my dad was like, yeah, let's go to mass. It's quick. We're going to be in and out. Right. Like, so it's just like one of those things. And so we, we did those. And as I got older, my mom was like, you really need to do your communion and confirmation um, because that's what I, I, I am, you know, that's my, that's what I'm going to have to answer to, you know, did I, did I do all those things? And I'm like, I'm a senior in high school lady. Like it's a little late to do this now, you know, Um, my brothers went to Catholic school, so they started earlier. And so, you know, when I look at my transformation, you know, I got married and decided to convert to my husband's faith so that it would be easier for us to build relationship for our children also, you know. Um, But I remember visiting family in Virginia and going to church with my great grandmother and leaving there going, yes, this is what it's about. Like, we should be here, you know, and she used to say to us, we were teenagers, you know, and she would say, I don't care what you do Saturday night, but you better be in that pew on Sunday morning, right? So we were there and just leaving so refreshed and rejuvenated that I was just like, this is what I want. And I want it on a consistent basis. And so I made that choice. But I think you're right. I think a lot of times people grow up with faith and then they choose to like leave it for a while and then they come back or they just keep with it because it's just what they do, not because it's their resolve. It's what they feel they need to do. Um, So give us an example of a time that 
the consistency in your faith helped you get through? Yeah, so the major example is uh, my parents' death. They, they passed away about five years apart from each other, both from sudden cardiac death, uh, meaning there was no no warning like they were fine and then they were gone Mm -hmm. and uh specifically my father's death I guess I would say because my mother died first and I had some assumption I guess I made that I had my tragedy the box had been checked and God wasn't going to do that again to me Mm -hmm. but when my father died who I was closer to because as I mentioned my mother was ill and it was just sometimes hard to relate to her right uh, but my father was like everything to myself and my sisters when he died. I, I literally was in shock and refused to believe it until we got in that little room at the hospital. And we were told right. my sister who drove me to the hospital, like she knew right away, every, every sane person could see, mm-hmm. but I couldn't because I was like, no, no, God, God's not going to do that because we already lost our mother. So that doesn't happen. Right. To us. Uh, but it did. And so, you know, I, I never lost faith. I'm not even sure how, like, even in that moment, I wasn't like the heck with you, God, I'm done with you. It was none of that. Uh, It really was. That's what got us through my sisters and I, because now we're alone. We're in our twenties. It was like, what do we do? You know, um, I had one, one child by then. It was just what a devastating time. And, you know, and we're so close to our parents. So, but really I have to credit, I credit time. I'll I'll give Mm -hmm. time some credit here because time does heal but really initially in that that early really really hard period of grief it was all faith and of course the support of family and friends but ultimately it was my faith Mm -hmm. yeah so if you could give one um one advice to someone who is a faithful person because sometimes that happens right um sometimes we do get the wind knocked out of us. And thankfully for you and for sometimes for me, like, I'm like, I'm only doing this because it's God. Like, I don't know how I'm getting through any of this. It's just God. That's all I can say. Right. Um, what would you say to them who might be teetering with their faith? Well, I would say, you know, sometimes you got to fake it till you, till you make it, right? So mm-hmm. in both cases, and my sisters and I were recently talking about this, how kind of crazy this is in some ways, you know, my, my parents, I don't remember what day of the week it was for my mother, but e- either way, um, we went to church the following Sunday when they died, like, and it was super raw. We were in tears. We were still there. Yeah. And I would say if church is your thing, meaning that's your happy place like me. And that's how you express your faith. You got to go, you got to keep going. Don't, don't let your, your faith routine be disrupted because this horrible thing happened. You need it more than ever now. Right. Your community too, because, you know, I remember, you know, the mass occurred. I remember the one after, actually I remember both of them. It's so funny. I told you I have no memory, but those ones, I, I remember like we made it through mass and, and when mass ended, the people descended on us. You know, yeah. they came and kind of did the group hug because they saw us in church. They were almost like shocked we were there, but they saw us and they came. And that's what the community is. The community that you worship with, you mm-hmm. know, they care. You don't even have to say anything. They understand. And it's, it was just, we needed that. We were just, we were very fragile, but we, we knew we were, we didn't even talk about it. We we're just like, 
we're going to church. It wasn't even a thing. Should we go? I don't know if we should go. We just went. Right. So don't think about it is my point. Don't think about it. Don't don't second guess your faith at the moment you need it the most. Just keep doing the things that express your faith and you will come back into the feeling that comes with it. Right. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, your church being your happy place and, you know, being in the choir and, you know, um, worship is such an important part of being connected. And, you know, I'm not in a choir and I would not stand up and sing, although I have, it's just not my thing. Right. But I feel sometimes when I'm the least, when I'm starting to feel like I'm not connected, just having that, that time of worship, um, just kind of brings me back to where I need to be. And so for you, I know you are a, you know, a worshiper, you're in the choir and do you, um, find that doing that at home helps you, you know, is we go to church on Wednesday nights, you know, like we're in church a lot mm-hmm. more than mass. Um, so do, do you find yourself doing that throughout the week until you get to that Sunday? Does that help you? Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's necessary, but I do it. I do it to prepare because I am a big proponent of service. And this is, I love the intersection of service and faith. So getting to be in the choir is a privilege. And this is how I serve the congregation by being there, especially now, you know, in the the mass that I typically go to, I'm the only alto. And if there's no alto there, there's no harmony. And it makes a difference. You know, it just makes a difference. I know I've sat in the pews, which by the way, I prefer not to. And I know that sounds funny, but um, I'm going to kind of answer a question you didn't ask too, um, in terms of that I worship better when I'm in the choir because I'm engaged, right? When Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting there, it sounds terrible, but I'm just sitting there taking it all in. It doesn't feel the same to me because I'm not serving. I'm not part of the mass, even though I know that I am, I know everyone is, I don't feel that way. So in order to be ready to go to your original question, I do prepare throughout the week, the songs, uh, really because I take my responsibility seriously. And I took the responsibility. The choir director didn't say to me, I need you to prepare the harmony because I don't, I can't go to practice. We practice on Wednesday nights and I have a conflict with my daughter's karate. So I can't go to practice anymore. So I have to teach myself and I'm not a musician by trade. So I have to rely on YouTube videos and whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I can't play piano. So I don't know what I'm doing. So, but I, I just, I figure it out and I learn Mm -hmm. the alto part so that I, if I don't already know it, so that I can be the harmony at mass. And I know it makes a difference to people. And I imagine myself like reaching someone in the pews who maybe this is the first time they've come back to church or the first time they've tried church and they go and they have this experience and hear this beautiful worship music. Uh I want to come back. And like, to me, that's how you have an impact on people. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm from the outside looking in stuff that speaks volumes to your relationship with the Lord, because you want to do things in a spirit of excellence. And it doesn't matter like what that thing is, if you have a connection with God. And I, and I think I talked about this on a previous interview. It's just like, I want to respect him and reverence him and do 
like you said, it is a privilege to serve his people. I want to do it in a way that is pleasing to him, right? I think that just speaks volumes to, you know, your relationship with him, your faith. And I think it's the universal thing, right? You know, no matter what denomination you are, is, you know, how you, how you relate to God's people and serving them, I think is the one thing that is something that we um, all can agree on. Yes. Yes. So, so what, go ahead. So to, to that point, as you know, I'm in the accountability evangelist and I have an accountability ambassador pledge, which is I serve others by doing whatever it takes to be the best person I can be. I agree with you. That is the, that is the, that what's, that's what levels the playing field across all faiths because yes. I don't, I'm happy with every faith. I love it mm -hmm. because everyone wants in those faiths, anyone I find who is faithful is typically dedicated to service serving other people and worshiping the Lord at the same time. I just think that's yeah. phenomenal. And the other thing is I was taught by one of my dear priest friends who was pretty blunt about it when I was not going to join the choir when I first moved to Rochester. I went mm -hmm. to school here, but when I came back to Rochester, it was at a time where my kids were young and I was just tired of the chaos in the pew, meaning, you know, the, the yeah. wriggling toddler and the whole thing. Yeah. And I just can't hear a homily. And I just wanted to sit there and actually take it all in. And I got like one weekend and the priest came up to me and it was the same priest from my previous church. So he knew me and he said, oh, no, no, that's not happening. I said, I'm like, Father, I just want to sit in the pew and hear you do the mm -hmm. homily. He's like, no, you have a gift and you have to share that gift. Right. That, and that was it. He wasn't playing. Yeah. And so <laughs> he introduced me to the choir director and said, here's your new choir member, and that rest is history. So, you know, I, I believe that. I really believe that. So everyone has a gift, whatever it is in service, you need to give it. Whether you feel like it or not, you right. have a gift. The Lord gave you this gift. You need to share it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like we talk about, like our testimonies aren't for us either. They're for other people to share them and help someone else and your gift, you know, like I said, I'm a worshiper, although I'm not like a singer, you know, but I've always had friends who were. So listening to them worship has always inspired me, connected me, made me feel better, you know, just made my spirit feel better. Um, so, and it's funny, I've not heard, a lot has changed since I was in the Catholic church, when I go back to, you know, Puerto Rico or wherever, and we go to mass, I go to mass with my family. I'm always like, man, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like this when I was in church, you know, it's, it's changed so much. So to hear you say your priest knew you, because that's what I love about, you know, um, I go to a non-denominational church. And I love that um, my pastors know me. Mm -hmm. They know my family, right? They, um, I think that's so important in, you know, finding a church home, you know, it, it, um, it is, it is important, but I have to tell you that we struggled when our priest, the same priest was reassigned and right. we had new, we had a new priest who didn't know us and wasn't this, he just wasn't the same. He didn't say the approach. He was an introvert. I don't even know. He finally learned our names, but it wasn't <laughs> like that. And we, we moved here my daughter, my older daughter was five. And in the previous parish with the original priest, 
she would walk up with us as lectors, walk up holding the intention book while we're holding the lectionary. Yeah. And then when she was a toddler, like my husband and I would read and for a while she kept running up to the, to the um, ambo and we're uh-huh. like, oh no, don't do that. Right. But we finally, <laughs> like, it was less disruptive to just pick her up quietly yeah. and keep reading. So then from then on, we actually read, imagine this at a Catholic church, we read with our daughter sitting here. And then when the responsorial psalm happened, guess what she did? She put her hand up for everyone. And it was, this is a two-year-old. Yes. It was so adorable. So talk about growing up in the faith. I gave you my story. My older daughter, who's now 18, she has internalized it too. Yeah. So when she, when we moved from that one parish to the new one and our priest was reassigned, she was lost for a bit because she's mm-hmm. like, wait, he doesn't know who I am. Like, my right. name is Faith, first of all. How does he not know, <laughs> right? And so I, I wanted to just jump in when you said that because I don't want people to get discouraged if they're at a place where that isn't like that because we found oh, yeah. ourselves in that place. But what happened is the choir family became the connection to that new parish versus mm-hmm. the and, yes. and the beginning of my choir life, by the way, just feel like this is an important point. In that rural parish, the reason I started singing is because no one was. I was not a singer. I took like two years of choir and chorus in high school. And I that's my first training. I was not a singer. And but I was I was so like, oh my gosh, we have to have music at this mass. So so I started to, as the lector, when when the responsorial psalm came. I started to sing it or mm-hmm. whatever, just sing a solo right there from the ambo just to have music. And that led to me being the cantor when there was no choir. So I just had to step out into my earlier comment about leadership opportunities. This is a church offers lead, leadership opportunities and I seized yes. it and it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable. It was scary for me at first, but again, I, my call to service yes. was, was stronger than my discomfort. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I was going to say. It went from, you know, I'm an army brat and moving around a lot has always been a thing, but wherever I move, I find a church home. And it, so it was until the pastors get to know me, they're going to know that I'm a server, that I serve wherever I go. So the things mm-hmm. that I love to do, you know, intercessory prayer and just, you know, um, being on the hospitality team, you know, like all of those things are what I love to do. And so that's what I do wherever I go, because then you get, you get noticed because you're serving with a heart for Mm -hmm. God's people. And then they're like, oh yeah, this is what we're looking for. This is what we need. Like you said, seizing those opportunities, not doing them because um, you know, I want to be seen, but doing them because this is what I'm passionate about. This is what my faith has brought me to, um, is such, is so important. And so thank you for sharing that because you're right. It doesn't always, the church that I'm at, they, you know, my pastor doesn't change, but there are some churches where they get moved around and mm-hmm. you, know, you can't just leave. Oh, my pastor's not here. I'm leaving. You know, right. they're going to a whole nother state. Like you can't just pack up and move because your pastor moved. Um, so it's really when you find what you're passionate about in church, then it becomes less about 
just who's there, who's doing this or doing that. It's really about, again, your relationship with the Lord and serving his people. Mm-hmm. So that's just amazing. So what have you learned from all of this? Oh my goodness. I mean, a ton, first of all, that faith is my foundation. It always has been, it's always served me and it puts me at peace because I know whatever's coming my way. I mean, if I survived the death of my parents in that tragic manner, you know, I, then I can do anything. I don't want to do anything, but my (laughs) faith, right. So God, if you're listening, I've had enough. (laughs) Um, However, um, I'm, I am, I'm strong. So I don't worry about stuff, right? Because whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I've most recently learned a little bit more about how to surrender, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm a driver and I want to make things happen and surrendering to God's will. I find myself repeating silently that I will be done whenever Mm -hmm. I feel like I kind of want a certain outcome. Mm-hmm. I remind him and me, really me, God doesn't be right. reminded, I will be done. Like, don't listen to me. You know yeah. what I what I think I want, but I really want what you want. So ignore me and all my nonsense. Mm-hmm. I will be done. And yes. I have learned that there's a lot of peace in that because then when you surrender, you can just kind of be more present mm-hmm. and enjoy your life because something's around the corner and only God knows what that is. And you just keep serving people the way that you're doing, serving the Lord and good things will come in his timing and not yours. Yes, that is so good. That's so good, Steph. (laughs) Yes. I mean, we, I, but you know, not to say that's easy. It's not an easy thing to get to. Um, I was just saying this in the previous interview that, you know, God allows me to throw tantrums sometimes. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to do this. and I'm going to do this. and I'm going to do this. And he's like, okay, all right. You know, and then I'm like, all right, I'm really not going to do all those things. I just needed to say, you know, I just need to say that God, but thank you for listening. <laughs> like, so that is so good. So that's a good place to wrap because that is some great advice. Um, So give me, I like to end with, um, you know, this, this podcast was birthed out of women encouraging each other and really just inspiring one another um, because just because we've overcome some things doesn't mean we're not going to go through anything else. Um, And I think we learn from each other and listening to each other's testimonies. So if you could suggest one person that I should have on the podcast, like who would you, who is someone you think is inspiring and has really um, been on this journey that we're on of abiding in Christ and really making a difference? Yeah, so I, I've got many ideas, but one person pops up right away. As you know, I've, I've done a couple different summits. And the nice thing about that is I get to meet wonderful people from all over the world. And inevitably, those who are the strongest in their faith, that that kind of comes out. It's like it's part yes. of their identity. Mm-hmm. And so my recommendation is Katrina Reese. She mm-hmm. was in my second summit. I don't know. Yes, the second. second summit. Okay, second summit. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and we connected. I was since on her podcast, and she's doing some great things. She's a gospel singer, wedding planner, like. And like, et cetera, like you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, she's got all these things going on, but faith is always first for her. She's a fascinating person. Very, very generous. uh, Great conversationalist. I think you two would like have a blast. 
Yeah. Yeah. I connected with her. We follow each other on Facebook and um, I see her, I listen to her podcast sometimes and she is, she is someone that I'm like, I would love to grab a cup of coffee with her. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Fascinating. Just, yeah. Inspiring, you know, and fun, you know, fun. She mm -hmm. just makes it, it makes it interesting, very passionate. And uh, yeah, I've listened to your, uh, you know, your first couple episodes. I think she'd fit right in. Yeah. I am so, so honored that you came and shared this story. And I love just learning more about, you know, um, who you are in your faith community. I, we talk about, like, I know you're a woman of faith, you know, I'm a woman of faith and we talk about God and, and who he is in our lives, but I've never heard such um, an intimate story. And I'm just so honored that you um, accepted my offer to be on the podcast and that you um, felt like this was the story to share. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to to talk about it. I just needed to be asked. As you could tell, yeah. it wasn't wasn't hard for me to no. share. I, I love this I, this topic. We just get distracted. You know, you and I know each other in different contexts. And so we have so many other things to talk about. And that's yeah. the case with other people I know. And I just love the opportunity to actually focus conversation, talk about my faith and love for God. So thank you for having me. So tell everyone where they can connect with you because you do have a lot of things going on as well. Yes, I do. So uh, accountabilityevangelist.com is my website and my email is stephanie at accountabilityevangelist.com. That is the best place to reach me. Great. Thanks, Steph. All right. Thank you. Take care. Yep. Bye.